Hello. Welcome back to the Schooner Pod. It's uh, been a weird summer, but you know what? We finally have some news to talk about. Uh, Caleb Williams. Let's break it down. As usual, I got my guys with me, my co-host, Jameson Maxwell. Jameson, welcome on the pod. Time to talk some Cruton. The Cruton Corner has never been more necessary, so we're, we're happy to have you on. And then uh, my other co-host, Ty Lee. Ty, welcome to the pod. Hey, everyone. I think I have a bit of a delay. Uh, oh. No, I don't. I was doing something in, in pretended. How's it going? <laughs> I was pulling up my notes. <laughs> ah, nice. Okay. Well, that's okay. At least you're being productive. Um, so anyways, let's get down to it. Caleb Williams, number one overall quarterback in the 2021 class. Um, number four player overall. This is a big get. We knew that there would be fireworks on the fourth, and they uh, they came. So, Jameson, please tell us everything we need to know about Caleb Williams and what it means for him to be a part of uh, this uh, recruiting class. Okay, so, yeah, he's from the Washington, D.C. area. We've talked about him a lot recently because he's been a, pretty much an assumed uh, commit ever since his eyeballs happened many, many months ago whenever he visited. Um, he's from Gonzaga High School in the D.C. area, the same high school that Joseph Wete went to. Um, and he is by far the number one quarterback in the nation, just won Elite 11 quarterback MVP um, of their most recent camp, and uh, he's been killing it. And ever since we lost Brock Vandegrift and we lost a lot of hope, this was Lincoln's second-place guy, but it's turned out to be an extremely powerful move of losing Brock and getting Caleb because of the amount of doorways that have opened of guys we can get because we have Caleb, the best recruiter as a player in the nation. Yeah, and I got to say, it, January 1st feels a million years away for multiple reasons, but Brock Vandegrift, any sort of uh, bummer that that came with his uh, decommit, I, that's clearly out the window. Caleb Williams is a special talent. Um, uh, not, not to knock Vandegrift, guy's great, but um, I think – Caleb Williams, in terms of the playmaking ability, uh, I, I think he's a good fit with with Lincoln Riley and what he allows them to do. You just look at guys like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, um, and even kind of Jalen Hurts, just not as good uh, in terms of that you know ability to just uh, make a play out of nothing. Um, he, he's the next in a long line of guys, and I even could see Spencer Rattler, you know, using a little bit of that. But this Caleb Williams uh, guy, I got to say, looks next level. Ty? Yeah, no, my, my biggest thing on it, and it's, it's really exciting to see, is just, you know, the, the first quotes, maybe not the first thing you said, but some of the biggest quotes you're getting in all the, the articles about it is not just how excited he is to play for OU, but like you guys had mentioned previously, how excited he is uh, to start recruiting for OU and reaching out to guys in his age group and saying, you know, let's make something amazing here together. So that's really cool because that's something that, um, you know, I think is, is starting to trickle down a little bit. Um, I know that there's always been some recruiting by, you know, recruits, but it, it really seems like as, you know, player-led recruiting, if you can call it that, in, in the NBA and to the NFL to a lesser extent has really taken off. Um, it, it become the norm. It seems like that's trickled down into these younger guys, even in different sports. It's just kind of, I don't know, kind of my take. I don't, you guys may disagree, but yeah, that's, that's the most that's exciting thing, thing for me. 
Yeah, because that's immediate results. You know, we're gonna wait years to even see him uh, on the field, but to uh, immediate results is is really cool. Yeah, just I agree. Like, yeah, it's, it's, go ahead, Jameson. It, I mean, it, I'm just saying what you said. It's huge with we have players recruiting rather than coaches because. A lot of the time, coaches can only do so much um, because of restrictions, and that is a beautiful, beautiful background. <laughs> 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 is that the to... cat's in a hat? <laughs> <laughs> the <ball. laughs> Oh, God. Okay. But, but, yeah, so, I mean, players can do so many things that coaches can't, and, uh, I mean, people want to go play with the best quarterback in the nation. And people want to go play for a big-time leader. And that's what Caleb is. He has extremely great leadership characteristics. As soon as the eyeballs came out for him many months ago, he was, he's been hitting the recruiting trail on other people as a silent commit. Everyone knows in the recruiting world that he is an OU commit, just not publicly. Um, and he's going after guys like Kevin Gilliam um, from Virginia as a defensive tackle, defensive end guy that – we thought we'd never have no chance, any chance with. And now we're probably his leading guy um, right now. Um, might be a little, a couple months before we see a uh, commitment out of him, probably like in August. Um, but that's not too far away, honestly. Um, also, guys um, like Mario Williams, even though he was really big on OU and he's already been committed wide receiver five-star on rivals. Um, having Caleb Williams tugging at him and having the hot dog get um, emoji and everything does not hurt at all. Bryce Foster, offensive guard, huge Texas A&M lean um, beforehand. His family was way into it. And then I guarantee you Caleb Williams had some pull, making him now an OU lean. Yeah. De- I mean, definitely some of these names that we were talked about, you know, early on in the cycle, you know, they were kind of seen, you know, a little bit outside. I know, we, I know for sure you definitely talked about Foster uh, as, you know, maybe a pie-in-the-sky type of guy, you know, in terms of OU getting him. But really, everything I've seen, you know, these are, these are kids, so it's not, you know, nothing set in stone. But he very much kind of seems to be hinting that OU is very much in the equation, uh, if not right up there with Texas A&M as a one-two situation. We're very much in the lead, and I think we have a good distance and ahead of Texas A&M right now from what I've read. And the problem here is if he could commit right now, it'd be OU. But he has a plan. He wants to commit in December, so there's a lot left to happen, especially with the football season. But, I mean, I can just keep going on, on more names on guys that Caleb Williams is going to bring into this class that are very good four-star, five-star talent guys that we'd have no chance with beforehand. One guy that we thought that could have committed with Latrell McCutcheon and Caleb Williams on 4th of July was a guy named Jalil Farouk, and he is like a, like a 9.5, uh, four-star on 247 Sports, and he's like kind of a bigger body but good, good wide receiver. We thought we'd never have a chance with him because it's another East Coast guy. There you go. Um, big bummer not getting Christian Leary, um, but uh, he was a part of that uh, – what is it? The dangerous three? I, I, I can't even remember now. Um, oh, whatever. yeah, the serious three. The serious three. See, it's been so long that I can't even remember what it is. Um, he was that third part with Mario Williams, commits to Alabama, but we ain't we ain't out of that one. We ain't out. Um, we just gotta wait for the season to come. Um, 
you know, there's so many people from coast to coast that's going to be in this class that it's just so odd. And I will go through them in a little bit here later. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Once we uh, go in on the recruiting deep dive, uh, especially, you know, talking about Latrell McCutcheon, the other massive, massive, uh, you know, fireworks, boom, all of that on the fourth cornerback uh, out of Austin, Texas. Uh, dude has a lot of beef with UT and uh, you got to love it. Uh, I honestly all in on it. I, I know a lot of Texas fans are salty about it, about the, you know, kind of pulling the, telling the Tom Herman he can have his offer back. Um, but tell us, a, tell us a little bit about, about how big of a deal it is for, for speed D to get a guy like the McCutcheon. Oh, it's huge. I mean, he has everything you want in a quarterback cornerback prospect in the speed D. Even though he is coming off an ACL injury, 6'1", is very lengthy. He's a lengthy boy. And, um, <laughs> and, and, he's, and he's fast. And he's extremely determined. And you can see that in his recovery. He has a big chip on his shoulder in everything he does. He dropped a couple of ranks in the recruiting um, after he tore his ACL. And I can tell that's just making him want to work harder. And you need that with a guy in recovery. And being out of Austin and Texas taking a little while to um, offer you, it makes sense on Texas's end because once you recruit a guy, I mean, once you offer a guy that's in region, you have to be absolutely ready at that time to accept it. But Latrell thought, I am so good that you should offer me and you shouldn't have to worry about your numbers in the first place. And it's just an insult that you had a second thought on me. So I'm not even considering Texas at all. Texas was never a threat in his recruiting in the slightest. If y'all remember, he was a decommit back in April from Alabama, I think April. Um, uh, and ever since then, those eyeballs came out and he's been silently committed this whole time. So July 4th, why they were fireworks, these been in the holster for a little while. Um, we were hoping for some more surprises, but there's still definitely some possibilities in the coming day. But Latrell McCutcheon, definitely what you want. It, he's a He's a cornerback that, you can put him on an island and he'll go to work. And that's what we really need in this D because we don't have anyone like that at all that in the past three years that I can think of. I, I mean, you could maybe, I w- wouldn't even say Motley. Motley uh, last year was doing he, it. He yeah. took it to the next level, but in terms of a consistent guy, bleh, I, I can't say it. So I got to ask Ty uh, to bring you into the fold here. And as yeah. our resident, uh, master of of pettiness and uh trolling how do you rate his uh troll job here of uh ut you know him throwing the horns <laughs> down you know really getting into it on twitter uh so what 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 do you what do you have to say about kind of what he's been up to i mean it's it's commendable i i gotta say because you put yourself in a position where now you have to back it up so uh you know that's that's a positive because that, that can be a motivator for people. Uh, but in, in, I only read one article on him uh, in my prep for this. And uh, I do kind of agree maybe with Jameson's analysis, though, that maybe it is a little personal for him. Uh, so obviously it's a little bit in his nature because he's doing it. Uh, but I don't think that, you know, it was intentional from the start. I, I think like Jameson said, uh, it could have gone multiple ways and, you know, these guys have egos and they want to be, you know, getting the attention and, and getting the spotlight and stuff. So I, 
it's it's decent. Hopefully, backs it up. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, anytime you throw the horns down, that is kind of inviting some stuff with UT. He yelled, "Texas sucks!" Which was how dare he? <laughs> Ooh, my stars! <laughs> all, all these pearl clutching. Remember him. <laughs> all these. All these. Ellinger's <laughs> got his little notebook out, and he's added his name. <laughs> Ellinger's burn book out here. Oh man, with all the mean Ellinger tweets. Ellinger will never have to deal with him. Yeah, I mean Thank that's true. God. Thank no, God. No, but he that would be a fire. He remembers every every player that disrespects the University <laughs> of Texas. Oh boy. Well, I I saw a tweet somewhere that said nothing makes me happier than watching Ellinger get sacked on like random uh, DB <laughs> blitz, like safety blitzes. So I don't know. Um, I gotta say, it, it's it's solid stuff. I don't understand these Texas fans are, are. I mean, it's 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 their season, you know. They're they're in the prime right now. It's, it's summer, <laughs> you know. They're we don't even know if there'll be a we don't even know if there'll be a football season. This is even it's even better for them. The best thing that can happen to UT is there's no football season and it's just a full off season of you know you lost your last three bowl games and we beat Utah in an Alamo Bowl. I want to do a quick, a quick response from everyone, quick tangent. In a hypothetical where we don't play this season at all and we just skip ahead to, uh, you know, next season when that time comes, who, what, what team do you think in four or five years' time is going to retroactively claim the championship for this year if it's not played just based off preseason rankings? Ooh. It can't be Texas because they, they don't reasonably have ground to. So it's probably out of conference. Yeah, you, you got to have some sort of – okay, so I, I think here's the first thing. Whoever is the first conference or team to get rid of football for the season, they had the most impact on that. And therefore, they, they've, they've, they're the first domino. So let's just say, like, I know that Ivy League is kind of – hedging closer to shutting it down, you know, Hey, Harvard might, might get their first natty in a couple, you know, uh, centuries. So, uh, Nate, now, I, now you've got me thinking, what about the last <laughs> league in the last college to say, we're not shutting down is the national yeah, champion. So here's, here's, here's Ole the thing. Miss. <laughs> what if, yeah, that's what I was going to say. What if everyone shuts down? And uh, Leach and Kiffin get together and have like an unofficial off the book scrimmage. That's the only game played, and then they just whoever won that one tries to claim because they were undefeated, the only team that that played their season that they win. So could we see? I I kind of agree with Jameson here almost like that. This was like a hypothetical like let's make fun of A and M joke. Yeah, is really what I was setting it up for. But we could be about to see a college football national championship in the state of Mississippi. I mean, that would be the most fitting way to end 2020 is an illegal, an illegal, like <laughs> just literally like random town, like rec lot game between the two teams. An illegal <laughs> egg bowl. The national championship. An egg bowl national championship, you know, playing under a completely new flag, you know, with Mike yeah. Leach, Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. I mean, it, it has everything you can you can ask for. The only, the I, only oh my god, I'm imagining the thirty for thirty now. You you can celebrate as long as it's the as long as you're uh, you're peeing, you know, just 
You have you have to pee in the end zone like a dog. That's the only only celebration allowed. You just made oh me God, think of I, Dean Blevins. <laughs> it's so it's so amazing because this scenario that we're currently envisioning is not impossible. It's it's like not very very likely, but this scenario could very well happen. And oh my god, I wish it would because that would just be the most amazing amazing I, thing ever. We, we need the egg bowl natty. Like that needs to happen just in general. But it, like I said, there'd be no better way for 2020 to end than that. I, I'm actually, I actually now have placed that ahead of normal college football season. OU wins national <laughs> championship. I would rather see Egg Bowl in a field. field I don't know dreams. about in, on, on know a little about. camcorder, and they yeah. put it on the yes, black yeah, market. Yeah. And and just, 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 just some guy sitting in a tree, you know. At one point, the football falls in the creek. You know, it gets weird. <laughs> you know, just, just I'm I'm telling you, telling you that could be just like some pirated movie stuff. I'd watch an extremely fuzzy, shaky scrimmage between Mississippi, Mississippi State. I'd pay good amount of money, and I'm a cheap ass. I like, pay. Oh I pay fifty bucks. Unlike an iPhone 3G, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the best. The best part is the post game press conference would literally just be Kiffin and Leach standing right there next to each other with just one person with the camcorder going back and forth. Oh, wow. Oh, man. That would be so tremendous. We're going to talk about this the whole time, so we're, we're going to have to move on from yeah, the that, illegal Egg Bowl National Championship. But That was going to be the new that, – that would actually be oh, the new podcast. But. I, I don't know – in closing on that one, since I brought it up, I don't know that I would give up an OU natty for it, but it's close. But I would give up – Literally anything else, like you said, a full season and everything, I would give that up just for an illegal egg bowl natty. I I actually agree. I, I owe you getting eighth. It's kind of the only thing I've ever wanted since I was five. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but but the only thing that would have been I, – I think another thing that would, not, would only be better than the egg bowl would be the Appalachia Bowl with uh, – I don't know with with Appalachian State, West Virginia, Mountaineers versus Mountaineers. We, we've detailed this before. Just check it out. That would also be a great national championship, but it's still below Egg Bowl Natty for all the marbles. Anyways, let's dive back into some uh, OU football. <laughs> That's that was a fun diversion. Uh, so, is there anything y'all want to say about the? Uh, recruiting events recently until we dive into uh Gruden corner. Uh, I mean, I, I can't. <laughs> I mean, there's not really much to say. I guess the guys are working out again. They, they look good in shorts. So they're, they're, they're running. Uh, sus. That's a little sus. Hey man. <laughs> Any, anyways, Jameson, let's hit that Gruden corner. What do you got for us? Okay, boom. Speed run through all of our prospects. Just a little update on what's going on. So most recently, uh, probably the coolest, not coolest thing, but the most interesting thing that um, we've seen recently on 4th of July uh, is, our, is our man who's absolutely been killing it, Jamar Kane, tweeted a couple of gifts of a dog laughing and then a Scooby-Doo picture. 
If you were very confused about the Scooby-Doo, as most people were, there's a guy named Jeremiah Williams that goes by Scooby out of Alabama, who's a weak side defensive end, very, very good four-star prospect. And ever since uh, Alabama took Dallas Turner, a guy who plays the same position as him, uh, there's, he's no longer leaning towards Alabama. And there is a chance that he could commit any time now to OU is what they were saying. Um, but I don't know if that was just all hype, but he is a huge name to watch Jeremiah Williams out of Alabama. Um, he was an Auburn lean um, beforehand uh, after the Alabama news. And now we may have hopped into the lead. Um, Marcus Burris is a defensive tackles, um, strong side defensive end. He recently just had a lower leg injury and, and is going to be out for the majority of his senior season, but that has nothing to do with our uh, us taking back our offer. That's still a defensive tackle guy that you can move inside, outside. That's really coveted. Um, we're, we're probably going to have two spots on our defensive line left after um, our co, Isaiah Co, uh, defensive tackle, Juco prospect out of Iowa Western. And um, so you'd kind of take those from Marcus Burris, who I was talking about right there, Kelvin Gilliam, who I talked about earlier. Um, you would want those two for sure. Uh, who else can we talk about? Everyone wants to hear about Kamar Wheaton, right? So uh, Kamar Wheaton is quiet. And if you think he's going to commit any time now, there's no actual knowledge about it. Some person might put a crystal ball in and you might think that he's some guy that's picking up. I, he's going to do things on his own time, and I'm not be surprised if he just takes his merry time all the way into the winter. Um, Tristan Lee is a guy that's one of the best offensive tackles, number 11 player in the nation, um, that's been getting a little bit of OU hype. And um, I don't know for sure, but it's definitely a, a name to look at. Um, us and Clemson are two big teams that, um, and LSU are going after him. But probably the coolest thing right now that um, talking about the Caleb Williams effect, and this is kind of the main topic I want to get into, is he wants to bring in big-name guys with him. He doesn't want to just bring in guys that out of his area. You know, the DMV is good this year, but it's not, like, some kind of, like, really big-time area. So, Emeka Igbuka, the number one wide receiver in the nation, number eight player in the nation from Washington, no shot of us getting him beforehand, and Caleb Williams has been working at him hard. Now it's at the point where we are pretty far up there and we don't really know a leader. Ohio State, he was a big Ohio State lane. It's probably a big battle between us and him now. And um, he is going to be our Jaden Hazelwood kind of guy that we're going to be kind of pipe dreaming about this whole year. And it would be great if we could snap him. Um, is there any other names you would like to hear about and want me to talk about, Bobby? Um, Am I – did we talk about Mario Williams last time? I kind of think we did. Yeah, I, we can. Mario Williams is an absolute speed burner out of Plant City, Florida. Um, five-star guy, according to Rivals. Really, really good get for us. Yeah. Um, coming out of high school, he is the most skillful wide receiver we've had in a very long time. Um, just from the tape. Even considering we got Jaden Hazelwood, Jaden Hazelwood's a different type of wide receiver. He's very, very good, but but he doesn't have the speed that Mario has. It's like Mario is going to be someone really special and someone I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah. him play for OU. 
Yeah, definitely. We've, we def- I, I definitely remember talking about him on the pod before. Uh, definitely kind of a Hollywood type real burner. I'm pumped about that. Cause you, you need the burners just as much as you need the all around, you know, CD lamb type guys. Uh, shoot. I don't know. I, I, I really yeah. need to get kind of deeper into, you know, their Cruden game at this point. Ty, you have yeah. anything? No, I, I just had to, to concur with your thought on needing someone, you know, maybe they're not the best all around, but uh, a guy, if you can, you know, he's got that speed and you can keep him fresh until the later stages of the game when the, the defense is burned out. And with the quarterbacks that we have and are going to have, you can just throw some bombs. That's really exciting. Yeah, we need slot guys. That That's definitely a big thing coming into this next season, um, for sure. Our slot is very, very finicky because we don't know um, with Theo Howard and how healthy he's going to be coming off that Achilles. And that was kind of our step in for the slot. And with Jaden Hazelwood being out for what we assume is the season, um, it's, it's going to be – there's going to be a lot of moving pieces here and there and getting some slot guys in this class. And Mario can play outside if he wants to. He's that good. But put him in the slot, that would be a great plug-and-play um, moving there. Yeah, it, slot's always interesting with OU because I feel like that's where we always have, you know, our best success going from you know, Ryan Broyles, Sterling Shepard. Uh, I believe D.D. Westbrook even spent some time in the slot. Um, and then obviously, you know. Uh, Hollywood. Hollywood, you know, the most notable one. Uh, well, recently most notable one. Uh, so really I wonder who will take that slot spot. Um, I didn't – isn't Drake Stoops a slot? I, I'm not – Yes. I, I'm not that guy. I just wanted to. I just wanted to throw out a slot name. I don't think you'd be that good. Uh, but then again, we've been wrong. He's a walk-on. Uh, but you know what? You know what? I, I don't know. He's you know, about as preferred as you can be as a preferred walk-on. <laughs> pretty well, pre- yeah, pretty I, he pretty much had an offer to play here, but since Stoops was on staff. It just made too much sense just to make him a preferred walk-on to keep that extra scholarship to be used elsewhere. He's still getting his his school paid for either way. It's just so would you rather be called the walk-on or would you rather be called full scholarship, you know? So yeah. I, what's going to happen is in the early years, he's going to be a walk-on whenever he's not getting too much hype. And then come later his junior and senior season, they're going to upgrade him to a full scholarship player just for the namesake of it to give him that respect. Yeah. Um, and he's he's probably going to be our slot next year. It's crazy if Theo Howard isn't available to play. Mar- either, either that or Marvin Mims in our last class would be a true freshman coming in, um, records um, holder in the state of Texas. Uh, but, I've, heard, yeah. I'll, I've heard a lot of good things about Mims early. Um, it just kind of workout talk, you know, it, during COVID, you know, a couple highlights, stuff like that. So I'm excited to see how he does. I know you're excited because we finally have a, a Mimsy of our own, which is great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, the, the OG of all misnames in um, Schooner Pod. The Mims. literal first. The literal first. Chris, uh, Chris Mims. Chris Mims. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you see what he said about how he didn't want to play in Philadelphia because it scared, or, uh, the town scared him and he said it was gross? Oh my God! That is Philadelphia. That's where um, that's where Hitchbot died, right? <laughs> that is where Hitchbot died. Yeah. <laughs> In case you didn't know, uh, you're familiar with Hitchbot, correct, Jameson? 
I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so this there's this little these uh these researchers I think in Canada made this like little robot thing where he just had like a message like send me around the world basically and he had like a little GPS tracker and he was called Hitchbot and this thing makes it like all across Canada and then like all across like Europe or something and they're like all right let's send Hitchbot to uh, America and the first city he goes is Philadelphia where immediately <laughs> someone finds him and just smashes him takes some of the components and then like <laughs> throws him in a gutter and there's like this meme of it that I'll send you guys after and I guess we'll put it up on the um, scooter no. Insta when it hits and it's like never forget when Hitchbot made it all around the world until he got to America where when he landed in Philadelphia he was immediately mugged and murdered <laughs> 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 it's the most Philadelphia story of all time. It makes me so happy. Oh well, I think that's it for the Cruton Corner. If uh, if that's it, if y'all don't have any more questions, so or whatnot. No, no. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. All right. So moving on, we don't talk about serious stuff, and this is really not even that serious. Uh, it's more just like what's going to happen. Uh, so in case you didn't know, like we might not have a college, normal college football season. Uh, things are kind of intense right now. Um, so Lincoln Riley went on, he's really started to kind of bring up the idea of a spring season with everything being as intensive as it is from COVID-19. What do y'all think about the prospects of moving the season in spring? Uh, would you prefer that to fall? Obviously, we're going to ignore the fact of, yes, we all prefer for Secret Egg Bowl, but assuming Secret Egg Bowl off the table, what do we think uh, should happen with the season as we clearly are certified and, you know, all that good stuff? Sorry, I'm, I'm giggling. I, I was pulling up the hitch bot mute. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, Jameson, you got it. Oh, yes. great. I get to talk about the serious thing first. Um, well, I yeah, mean, I mean, Ty was, Ty was staring at I Hitchbot. Mean, so I, I said it out to you guys, uh, so I'll talk about it first. Um, Ooh, Hitchbot. Bobby, I had first heard this uh, this weekend, Bobby, when um, we were sitting around and you saw the thing about how Lincoln Riley had said that he believed that it was possible to move this season to the spring. Um, and when I heard that immediately, you know, I, I started thinking, why would he – Say that, you know, maybe, you know, he just gave a full press conference or a full statement and that's, you know, cherry-picked or something. But the more I think about it, the more that sounds to me like, because he would be in the know on the discussions that the Big 12 is having, um, it sounds to me like the discussions and the way they are going is indicating that it's not going to happen in the fall. So then the options are, you know, we don't do it at all or do we do it in the spring? So if I'm Lincoln Riley, I want the season to happen. Um, at least within conference. So I'm going to start putting out those statements and planting in people's minds, you know, that it's plausible in the spring. That's kind of what I thought hearing his statement. Uh, obviously anything's possible because the money's there. So, Yeah. And, and not only is the money there, it is absolutely, absolutely necessary to get. Uh, there are so many programs that will go absolutely like completely belly under, sorry, belly up. Yeah. If they don't have football, football is yeah, the lifeblood to everything. When you put it that way, like you kind of know my stance because I hate like teams like Baylor and stuff that shouldn't be competitive and kind of are, um, you know, same sort of same stance with paying the players. 
you know, if we have to sit out a season and, you know, we lose some of those other people, oh, well. Yeah. And, and we're relevant anyways, so. <laughs> you're, you're just like. Uh, <laughs> Look at it. Just, just from the most, you know, just, survival of the fittest. You're, you're just going full, like, Charles Darwin college football here, you know, like, it'll yeah, sort itself have out. We have only top 25, you know, seasons now, so. Got to break a few uh, Greg's to make a tomlet. Relegation. <laughs> relegation. Uh, <laughs> I would love a good old relegation. Uh, my thought is, you know, honestly, maybe it is better to do a spring season, get everything sorted out. I think for sure we might be able to get, you know, a larger amount of fans in depending on, you know, situations like, you know, a vaccine, stuff like that. Don't know how things are going with that. Um we have well, to consider that out of conference is probably done. Yeah, I think like that's there's, there's not going to be any out of conference. Yeah, um, and for multiple you know, reasons, I think I think there's a lot of a lot of people want to see football, and I think that it even could come down to the point in the most severe of cases where we're still playing, where you can have, you know, not to jump back into the illegal egg bowl theory or whatever, but. You know, if, it, if things are bad in Texas and in, in Oklahoma and stuff, I think you could potentially even see, you know, staff and players only with, you know, everyone on the sidelines wearing masks and stuff. And then see TV only, no fans, even just like Bedlam and the Kansas teams or something like a small. I, I think they're going to try to squeeze as much play as they can. So I would say that anything – you know, potentially could happen. And I could see a spring season just being, you know, just in not getting in the way of fall and not throwing your schedule off. Just maybe do like a small little hyper-regional, like like you're kind of saying, yeah. like a bit yeah, of a hyper-regional, kind of yeah, like a hyper-regional hyper little baby season. I don't know how you, you do play Just a cluster goals. of them. I, I think it would just be yeah. almost, I, I, think, I think he would be turning it back to the early 1900s, sort of. Yeah. Where just per- you just have a cluster of little regional ones, and then you are going to get, like, Bama and and uh, probably Clemson now and stuff if they play claiming championships. But, you yeah. know, it's, it, with the, that the championship claiming process is so egregious still in modern times. The, the fact with, of the like, matter is – With UCF and then with, you know, Oklahoma State buying, like, a J.D. Power Award championship and stuff. <laughs> when that year is one of the most agreed upon like national championships like ever of even like yeah even if you factor in like the bcs era that's still one of the most agreed upon championships um had to you know touch on that but yeah of course James, you got any thoughts on yeah i i think that the uh shortened season with no out of conference is probably the most intelligent and pushing that to the spring like you said it's twofold you get the uh the shorter season where it won't push you too far into your off season. You have just enough time to start up on schedule in the fall. And also it kicks out um, a lot of plane travel. If you can stay regional and there's not a lot of teams that are, have their own little private plane that they can fly across the country in whatever area they want. We've got to think of this just not as Oklahoma fans. We've got to think of this as like San Jose state fans. You got to think of this like the Citadel, you know, like we got to think of these, as those teams and how were, how is the mechanism going to work for them really more so than these big power five teams, Hawaii, how are they going to play anyone? That's going to be an interesting poll. 
Um, I'm sure that they could do something to where they can get a private plane for just for the Hawaii games. But um, anything to avoid air travel and contamination outside of the football team is probably best case scenario. You can't bubble it like the NBA, but if you can bubble it and contain it as much as you can and avoid out of, out of contact, um, just like plane rides versus bus rides, that's the little step, steps that they're going to need to take. Yeah, it, I think it really – like I agree because I think you also have to deal with the just simple moral factor of does it make sense to have these guys playing physical football contest when, you know, some universities might not even be back in person, you know, for, for, for school. Like, and especially when it comes to these smaller schools, you know, they don't even have – you know, maybe the funds to test everyone. Um, yeah, so. that, that's why I think the solution, I, I don't see a full season happening. I, I really think that the solution is going to be uh, conference-wide because the conferences generally, um, you know, regionally are, are all the same when it comes to, you know, the appetite of the schools and then just also politically of the fans to play the season. So, like, the SEC is going to do everything they can they've announced this you know over and over they're gonna do everything they can to uh to get the season as as regular as it can be uh the big 12 i I would say is probably pretty close but nowhere near you know as likely as them and then like the pack uh, i could see the pack you know calling it um almost you know any day especially since they don't really have anything to gain from playing it anyways so yeah, and I think it will be. I think Clemson, Clemson might be the team that really gets screwed, if I had to guess, or maybe Ohio State, uh, the teams that are, you know, could be really good, but are in a situation where the rest of their conference might bail on them, or at least a portion of their conference might bail on them and screw them over. So, yeah, yeah, and I, I think maybe... I think we will see OU play this season, even if it's in the spring. Yeah, no, I, I even if it's just a few games and on TV only. But how about this? I think whenever we think about a season with college football, we're thinking so hard about like we need it to be a certain amount of games, then it turns into a playoffs and a bowl season, and then you have a champion. Yeah, see, I'm, I've already fairly, thought that's not happening. Yeah, if we can't fairly do it, how about we make it kind of just a, a bunch of exhibition games for this pure source of entertainment, you know? Yeah, just still, for TV. You still have um, competitive nature. And that the one drawback of that is, do, are the players going to want to go out and do that, you know? I think so. But, I, so I, to, I don't want to step on your toes, but to, to hammer that, if we talk about if the individual schools are making the decisions – and it's just one-off exhibition games and just a handful, I think the players would be very down for that because very quickly you get into less formal and you could start to see, you know, just the teams that are willing to play and we could see like an OU Bama exhibition or an OU Georgia or, you know, all sorts of things that people would be excited about uh, that could just kind of come together. So So basically essentially break the, uh, yeah, no, just break the conference confines and just schedule these kind of, you know, little games, even if it's not in a, you know, championship manner, I think people just love to get back out, you know, go to their favorite spot on game day. I don't know if they'd be able to even get in by then. Um, I'm sure hopefully that at that point you could 
hopefully knock on wood get some capacity going um but definitely some tv money could get uh you know raised and you know that's that's the lifeblood to the colleges to the universities uh the town's probably a little less little less lucky but you know i, I think it's going to take more than ou tulsa and you know just little matchups you know with a lee bryce concert before to uh get things really going um it if it, it college football is going to be not the same not normal anyone who has an idea of that it's unfortunately not going to be the case but we need we need it back the, the universities need it back in some in some form figure out a way to do it figure out a way to make it safe i will watch i'm all in on that yeah, and I don't know. I feel like you'd have to play your rivals. But, like, say if we, um, as a conference in the Big 12, only get Texas, Oklahoma State, OU, I don't know, a uh, couple more teams, and we only have about four or five teams that are able to play um, during this um, due to probably uh, standards that the NCAA is going to put down that you have to have certain testing done – um, kind of like the, how the NBA is doing, you know. Um, we can kind of schedule people like Texas A&M, you know, people that are close and regional, and we could play them as a re, um, as a regional just exhibition game. Nebraska, that'd be fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Get, LSU yeah. would be cool because they're going to be ass. We could just yeah. stop just, them. Just, revi- <laughs> just, just some revenge. LSU and I don't think in common with last year's team at all besides uniforms, but it'd be fun. And I don't know how corrupt NCAA would take this, but just to add a competitive effort to it, um, could you do a little regional bracket um, of teams in certain areas, like west, a west bracket, an east bracket, and a central bracket, mm-hmm. and then whoever wins, you know, like they pick a charity or something like that? I don't know if NCAA would allow money to be winning, but, I mean, that would be a really cool idea they could do. Um, no, but there's no shot NCAA pushes that. Big big NCAA will never let it be proven that uh, an expanded playoff can work, and uh, big conferences will never let it be proven that the conferences need to be realigned. I, I think the the only problem with the charity thing is that the universities themselves desperately need the money, uh, yeah. and you know I guess char- <laughs> charity in this sense would be like let's give it to the whack, you know. Give it, donate to you. Donate to your conference. You the conference USA of your choice. Uh, uh, we're we're Oklahoma, and I am representing the Appalachian State. My charity is the uh, the nonprofit, the University of Oklahoma Endowment. We're we're playing we're playing for those who left behind, like Tulsa. That's what they would do, though. Central they'd Michigan. Like, they'd be like, "Oh, the endowment pays for scholarships, so it's a charity, and we need to play for it." There you go. Yeah, that works. That works. But there's I, no I, way that there could be money, and there can't be like a trophy for I won the central division uh, of 2020. <laughs> like that just sounds lame as hell. Like you can't do that either. Like I, I, I'm trying to find a competitive edge of like what someone could go for. Because when you're playing a game just for the fun, just to keep up with the sport, okay, that's one thing. But I don't know about y'all, but I don't have truly a lot of fun whenever I'm competing, unless I'm competing for something. You know. Like, it's, it's okay, it's cool playing a pickup game of basketball, but it's different whenever you're playing for, like, some kind of trophy. Well, well I, think, I think because it's so um, 
high profile that there's no way that you can play without it being meaningful. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the people talking shit on Twitter, the players talking shit between each other and, and all that other stuff. It's just, it, there's not a scenario where it would be meaningless to the player. The coaches are getting paid and the players are not getting paid already. So well, well here's, exposure is all they're getting paid in anyways. Well, thankfully, we have seen a system where at least half of the uh, teams have, are played for nothing, um, and they're you know exhibitions that you come up with, and they still play in it. They play for glory. They play uh, play as hard as they can. It actually happens every December. It's called the ball system. Uh-huh. So. Really, you it's know, just because they get like iPads and stuff. So we give them iPads. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just, give give them a gift card to O'Connell's if they whoever whoever wins. The, the suite will be the the gift suite will be you know like a bunch of stuff from Apotham and Stella Rays. You know the many wow. medical that, marijuana places. Sounded, okay, this this sounds horrible. Sound really sad. Well, <laughs> oh, I. I, I I'm just trying to think of the places that had not been run out of business by the high rent prices at Campus Corner. Very few. Very few. Very few. Anyways, that's kind of our ideas of what a college football season might look like. I think we all pretty much agree it ain't going to be fall, uh, which is sad, but we have we have NBA basketball at least. So, Anyways, all right. I think that's pretty much it, y'all. Anything y'all want to say before we sign off? No, that that was great. I, really I was surprised. Did. I pulled something out of my ass on an idea for for the uh, college football season. Yeah, I liked I liked your idea, Jamison. I, I thought it wasn't you know very likely, but not to shit on it. I just I don't I really don't know what is likely, but oh, I know I think, it's it, it de- definitely was the most like to see is the least likely things, but yeah. That's the biggest problem with Jameson's plan is it's too good, too good for both the players, the consumer, really just everyone. And the NCAA just doesn't, won't let us have it, you know? So they're just going to be jerks and make us play Tulsa. So that's, Ugh. yeah, I don't want that. Maybe you know? we can play uh, Kingsfisher again. Kingfisher College, <laughs> one of those, one of those uh, OU versus a high school games. The team, the, the uh, Norman Town team, a bunch of firemen. Jeez. Uh, well, anyways, hopefully next time you uh, hear us talking, you know maybe something miraculously happened and we have a college football season uh, in fall. <laughs> and wow. we're our next <laughs> our next pod is going to be in like in four months. <laughs> <laughs> our, you're going over. Our What's next pod is, look like in the spring part two. Our, our next our next podcast is either going to be us very sad that it got canceled, or the Big Twelve preview with Blake back in the fold. Uh, you know who knows? It, it could it, it'll either be another exciting gambling podcast, or you know Depression City. So oh, we should have done an off the wagon for the hot dog eating. Oh, oh just break down Badlands' uh, mediocre performance. A few minutes later. All right, now I'm closing it out for real. Uh, all right, guys, thanks for joining. It's been fun. Uh, I've just edited out a bunch of talk about reality shows and hot dog eating contests. So if you want to see that, do that. But anyways, uh, 
for me, Jameson, and Ty, this has been The Schooner. We'll hopefully see you next time where we talk about football. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he even throw the buy in? <laughs>